Good morning and welcome to Success Happens, everybody. It's great to be with you. And wow, what a show we have lined up today. And I, I have to tell you, sometimes, you know, God has a plan, right? And, and so we, we became aware of an, an, a bill that was going through, <clears throat> forgive me, I'm recovering from being sick, I'm off site doing this so that I can uh, keep everybody around me well, but I wanted to just make sure that you all are aware of what's going on with a bill that passed the House, is now in the Senate, and threatens our personal privacy and our personal health rights. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to Intercessors for America. They sent out an email, which I receive on a regular basis with updates, and they follow policy. And they brought it to our attention that this had gone through the House with very little discussion. Forty minutes, bing, bang, boom, done. And the next thing you know, we learned that 80 Republicans had signed off on this thing. And the way they did it, they had to get two-thirds vote. They all love something, Right that would allow them to get this push through quickly. And the essence of it is that they will be able to implement tracking systems to determine, basically, are you vaxxed or are you not vaxxed at the individual level. So when you look at public health, and I've been involved with public health because of my work at Mission of Mercy when I ran that company. So I'm you know, I've worked with Dr. Brookmeyer. I understand their world around public health. However, when you violate the principle of public health is dealing with the masses, individual health is about me, myself, my personal choices, and my, my rights and freedoms. When you cross that barrier, when you cross that line, you violate something. And they've done that with the implementation of this uh, let's call it the, the proposed implementation of this bill. So the bill is, let me give you the name of the bill, it is called H.R. 550, and um, it's about, I'm going to get the information for you in just a second. So I have with me today a partner who is a policy expert from the Heritage Foundation, because as soon as I learned that this was going through, um, I called my, my dear contact, Tom Qualtier, at heritage and they said how can we work with you all to bring this information to the fore so that you as the listeners you as the voters you as the individuals who will be greatly impacted by their choices decisions and policy have the ability to, to go out and say no we do not want this this is unacceptable when bureaucrats start having the power to implement people we don't elect them so we're kind of at their mercy if, indeed, this empowers the CDC and the health departments, HHS, and downward in the state level, then what happens is they can now implement policy that you must abide by, even though you never elected these people. So it's very... I want to welcome back to Success Happens, Doug Badger. Welcome and good morning. Good morning, Jen. Thank you for inviting me. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago, and here we are back again dealing with something so important. I really appreciate your partnership in educating the people about what this bill is and what the ramifications could be across the country. So could you please, first, you're a senior fellow with the Heritage Foundation. I thank you for bringing that expertise here. You are a policy expert. 
What can you tell us about this bill? Well, it is something that I've only recently become aware of, like you, Jen. So a lot of the things they're going to say about this are going to raise more questions than uh, provide answers. Uh, those answers, uh, we hope those questions will be put uh, to the sponsors of the bill and to others uh, in the United States Senate, where, as you note, the bill is now pending. But let me give you just a little bit of background, if I could. There are things called inf immunization information systems. They have been around for decades. They are run generally by their databases run by states uh, and local health authorities do record vaccination status uh, for uh, for people. Now, these, these computers are maintained by state and local public health agencies, not by the CDC or any federal uh, agency. They're used to collect and aggregate data on vaccination rates. Some of the, your listeners may go on the CDC uh, page for how many people have been immunized. Uh, right now, 200 million Americans have been immunized against COVID-19. Um, those data are reported in the aggregate, not on an individual basis. Uh, so they don't know that Jen has been vaccinated or not, or, or Doug Badger has been or not. But they do know that X percent of people, uh, of, you know, adults and so forth, have been vaccinated. Now, these systems are kept separately by these states and local agencies. Uh, they collect and aggregate this data. But uh, the systems don't talk very well to each other. Uh, the reason that's important is, for example, Let's say you have a school-aged child and you move, and one of the things schools ask about are immunization records. You don't have your child's immunization record. You can uh, go to your doctor or your child's pediatrician, and they can query this database, find out what your child form signed it, give it to you to present to the school. When you, that's typically the individual half of your child uh, and your doctor can access with your uh, permission. So that is what the immunization information system is. And as I mentioned, it's been around since the early 1990s. What the CDC does is provide funds to state and local agencies to establish and maintain the system. What HR 550 does is give the CDC for you to state and local public health agencies to upgrade their systems and to make them interoperable, that is, able to talk to one another. Okay, so that being said, Doug, um, and I want to let everybody, Dan Cox, who is a constitutional attorney, he's also a delegate here in the state of Maryland in studio, so he's going to be sharing as well from a local perspective the impact of some of these things. But I think the concern here is, again, breaching that barrier from public health conversation to individualized information that then can be used against us 
if we do not comply. That public right. pressure, you know, you're seeing it around the world where they are saying, you want groceries? Get the poke. So I think that there's this, this, this abuse of power that's now being um, constructed. And I want to also bring to, to, some, uh, to the foreground here, because I went on the CDC site, what constitutes fully vaccinated? So if what they're doing, in fact, is contact tracing and they're tracing the vaccinated, one thing to keep in mind is that you're, you're considered fully vaccinated, according to the CDC, two weeks or 14 days after your dose of either an accepted single-dose vaccine or the second dose of a two-dose series. So anybody within that window... And this is relevant because of an article that was just in the Frederick News Post that you may not be aware of, that within that two-week two period, you're not considered fully vaccinated. Now, one of the issues we have with the VAERS reporting, which this bill does not deal with, is that there are a lot of people who are having adverse effects from this, um, this vaccine, quote, vaccine. So if they're not fully vaccinated until two weeks, if somebody has an adverse reaction a day or two or hours after they take that second or first dose and they're still not considered fully vaccinated, they then say, well, they weren't vaccinated. So it's not an adverse effect. And, you know, furthermore, in, in um, the Frederick News Post, they just quoted the Frederick Memorial Hospital people saying that everybody in the hospital right now is unvaccinated. But you have to deal with what does the term unvaccinated mean. So I think that there's a lot of misrepresentation to people about truth. And, you know, I think that the CDC's reputation has certainly come into question here by Fauci. So let me stop talking and let you kind of reflect on that. And actually, let's take a quick break. Um, I'm going to go to a break right now. And then we'll bring back Doug Badger, senior fellow with the Heritage Foundation. And then after the half hour, we'll have Dan Cottas. You're listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. Success Happens is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick. The best for your pool today. Are you ready to lighten up, tighten up, shed, and shred? With plant-based protein, antioxidant fruits, organic greens and veggies, plus gut health, for a fraction of the cost you are already spending, this super 30-day program may support you to build muscle, burn fat, reset metabolism, lift brain fog, increase productivity, break addictions, nourish, be ready to look and feel your best, Replace 60 organic meals for only $11 a day with live, organic, non-GMO superfood nutrition delivered right to your door. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to superfoodswithjen.com. A picture's worth a thousand words. Capture your wedding memories in stunning photography by Kara Wynn at KW Photography Design in a price you can afford. Here's what a bride had to say. Working with Kara was easy and the pictures are phenomenal. I'm so glad we chose KW Photography Design. Call Kira at 240-344-3224 
or visit KW Photography, making your memories last a lifetime. Join us on Restaurant Road Creekside. Enjoy great restaurants including La Casona and Happy Hour Weekday Specials. Or Truth and Beauty, offering unique, tasty American fare and brunch. Stop by Sweeties on the Creek for yummy, fresh-made ice cream, frozen desserts, sweet treats, and plush toys. The Carroll Creek Parking Deck is right next door. Great food, fun times. Come visit us at Creekside. When was the last time you had fresh homemade ice cream? Sweeties on the Creek is making ice cream. Stop in and taste our fresh-made selections, including dairy-free and all-natural flavors. Enjoy a fresh cup of coffee with creamy shaker sundae. Taste a new fun flavor or an old... Sweeties, fresh made from cow to cone. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen. And I have with me today Doug Badger with the Heritage Foundation, a policy expert. And Doug, I wanted to ask your opinion about what do you think we can do to this bill doesn't get so broad that it impacts people's ability to remain private in their health care? Yeah, and that really is the the, the the core mention. I've read the bill and the committee report, the congressional record debate, um, and I don't see anything there that says that there will be a federal vaccine database or that CDC will know individually your organization's status, whether it's the flu or COVID-19 vaccine or any other vaccine. However, as you mentioned, this went through very quickly. It was approved by the Energy and Commerce Committee on a voice vote. It was passed on the House floor with no one speaking in opposition uh, back on November 30th. And now it's in the Senate Help Committee. And I think it's important there that the Help Committee hit pause and look a little more closely at this bill than perhaps the House did and try to determine if some of the things that about this bill are justified or unjustified. Now, the allegation has been made that this allows the federal government that these Americans will be targeted and forced to take vaccines. I don't see that in the bill, but these are very important questions to be asked. And the Senate needs to do its job of asking and answering them before proceeding further with this measure. Okay, very good. I'd like to bring in Dan Cox, uh, who's in studio. And, Dan, I really appreciate you being with us as a constitutional attorney and, and legislator. Can you respond to what your interpretation of the bill was? Uh, you and I had an opportunity to speak offline earlier. Can you refer to that statement in the, in the bill that was concerning about the uh, possible passport notion? Well, good morning, Jennifer and Doug. It's an honor to be here with you both. And I think that, um, you know, obviously, as Doug mentioned, uh, this is pretty new information. So I think um, done immediately. I think um, the, the biggest concern is when you look at through with hardly any debate or questioning, um, knowing what's happened in the last 20 months, knowing how the, uh, the government is at this very moment uh, misusing the CDC recommendations, uh, to then uh, superimpose executive orders and mandates 
on individual persons, um, then I think at a minimum we need to dig into this very carefully. And I was looking at uh, page, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, I believe it's pages uh, 8 through uh, uh, 13, 8 through 12 in the committee report. And one of the things that I noticed that was concerning is under the immunization information system data modernization and expansion. And the, the thing that the, I think people need to understand, this is an expansion, a massive expansion of an, of an older program that was designed really, as Doug mentioned, for uh, protecting data and for very limited access of individual immunization records. This act is to um, modernize that, allegedly, but it, it says in the title, expanding it. And so when you mission of the title, that that's the mission of the act, and then you look at the 16 points of expansion, um, it becomes alarming. It becomes very concerning. And I'll just read a couple of them here. Um, number three, <clears throat> um, by the way, not all 16 are alarming. Obviously, there's technical assistance. There's uh, uh, interoperabil interoperability between um, agencies and such. But numbering secure data collection, transmission, bidirectional exchange... Okay, maintenance and analysis of immunization information. That's individual information. That's not generic population data. That's direct to individuals. Number four, improving the secure bidirectional exchange of immunization record data among federal, state, and territorial government entities. And here, here's the key, and non-government, non-governmental entities. So when you look at the at the at the law as it's written. There's key components of expansion, as they're calling for, that now will include non-governmental entities with bidirectional exchange of the immunization record data. That's a code like we have in Maryland. You can go to irmobile.com and see that the um, current administration has lied to the Maryland public. But it is in play, irmobile.com, and it's a QR code system. Once you begin to implement these kinds of... Uh, uh, bi-directional exchange information, and you have uh, what, whatever level of security you have. But once you include non-governmental agencies and non-governmental um, commerce, for instance, uh, you have a vaccine passport. So this is, if not in fact, as Doug mentioned, uh, a vaccine passport mandate from the federal government. It is, in fact. Okay, thanks, Dan, for breaking that down for us. Now, um, Doug, any response to that? Yeah, and, and I, I think Dan's making a very good point that we have questions about exactly what this bill does. It does not explicitly establish a, a, a federal vaccine database uh, where CDC would have access to all of our... Um, you know, but there are terms used in the bill, and Dan hits on a very good one, bidirectional exchange. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I don't know that anyone who voted in favor of this in the House knows what, it's, what it means. And uh, it's something that the Senate really needs to dig into uh, and find out a little bit more about how this bill would work in practice. Again, as it's written, it is generally saying, here's another slug of money for the CDC, which I find a little objectionable, but that's uh, a, a fiscal concern, not, a, not a, a civil rights concern or constitutional rights concern. Uh, it gives them a slug of money to make grants to these uh, state, local, and tribal um, uh, entities to upgrade their systems, make them interoperable. And 
so we need to know a little bit more about what they're doing. As far as non-governmental entities, that's also a fairly vague term. Right now, your pharmacist can query your state's database and find out if I come in and say, gee, I can't remember uh, if I got my pneumonia shot or not, they can check on that. When I go to see my doctor, um, my doctor can query that base and find out, gee, have you had a shingles vaccine? Have you thought about uh, doing that? So it actually is uh, having non-governmental entities in this as long as we're strictly defining who they are uh, and what use they can make of these data isn't a bull on its face, but it raises legitimate questions, as Dan points out, in the offhand manner that the House did. Uh, it, should, it should pause, it should question, and it should get answers to what exactly uh, this bill would accomplish. Well, Doug, I certainly appreciate you availing yourself this morning to be on with us and to address this. I, you know, it's so important. The, the Heritage Foundation does a tremendous job, and I always encourage people to support your work there uh, because we need to have this information followed and unpacked and answered so that we can. It's also important that we recognize and remember that agencies, federal or state, have tremendous power. Um, and implement things that are uh, an extension of this legislation. So does this open the door for CDC? Again, in, in my reading of it, uh, it does not appear to do that. Um, however, as I said, and, and as you have pointed out, there was such minimal debate. I mean, it passed out of committee in the House on a voice vote. No one expressed any objection. No one expressed any objection to the, on the House floor when it passed uh, on November 30 with 80 Republican votes, uh, 80 Republicans joining uh, all Democrats. Uh, and so, um, you know, what, what this leaves us with is, well, I, I'm not sure that it does anything, um, but I'm also not sure that it doesn't. And, and, and that's why we have that's why we elect senators and, and uh, to go through these bills to understand what it is they're doing and what effect the legislation has, certainly when it comes to uh, things as important as our individual liberties. So, again, no. I don't think there's cause for alarm, uh, but there certainly is cause for further inquiry. Beautiful. Well said, Doug. Thank you. We will have you back again on Success Happens. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Listen, everybody, you're listening to Success Happens. We're going to take a quick break for news and weather. We'll be right back. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. And KW Photography and Design. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen. And I have with me in studio this uh, this morning Dan Cox, uh, gubernatorial candidate in Maryland, and a constitutional attorney. And so I, I reached out to Dan about this issue with this federal bill that we look at, not only the impact of it and how they've rammed it through the process, and I think that it has a lot of uh, concerns that are hidden under the veil of modernization. So we want to make sure that we're, we're really sorting out what it actually empowers these agencies to do, particularly the CDC, because just like the EPA, these agencies have tremendous power. 
to affect how you and I work, live, and play. So, um, Dan, I want to just kind of wrap up with, you know, you're getting ready to go. You guys had an early session, uh, a special session. Now you're getting ready in January to open up again. What are some of the concerns you see around this at the state level in the next session? Well, thanks, Jennifer. And everyone can go to coxforfreedom.com to stay in touch with my uh, campaign for governor and also the issues as we work them. Um, on, on Facebook, for instance, um, I'm Daniel L. Cox. You can follow me. What we'll do is, um, as we did last week, we'll post many of these issues so uh, individuals can track and follow what's going on in their in their legislature. And I'll tell you, what we're seeing is, um, you know, I, I, there is no grounds, to, in my view, to not be concerned about the federal expansion of immunization uh, identifi- you know, information collection. That is an outrage. It's, it's very con- hope that this won't be used, but we already know it is being used improperly. And here's how. New York, right now, you cannot uh, go to a restaurant and even other uh, outlets without a vaccine passport. Maryland, right now, you cannot go to a single concert a, or any kind of a venue at the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, or like my family loves to do at Christmas time, see the Nutcracker or see, uh, you know, uh, listen to the performance of the Messiah. Those are off limits unless you have a vaccine passport. And they're utilizing this uh, through the local networks, uh, the, the local departments um, in various uh, jurisdictions, uh, interacting with federal data. So that's what needs to be understood. Maybe this isn't, maybe the CDC law expansion is not a direct, you know, a lot of Republicans might say, well, it's not really, you know, don't, don't be so alarming. This isn't a vaccine passport. Well, I'm sorry. It's an empowerment for that, for localities who do pass vaccine passports. It will only increase the um, oppression of every single health department leader locally who wants to require this. And I, you know, I, I can uh, mention that there, you know, it, within your listening audience, Jennifer, there are many people that understand the uh, upsetness of what's going on in terms of the, the oppression and the mandates. Um, right now, we have multiple counties in Maryland who would love to have full-time vaccine passports. They're talking about it. Uh, we have Montgomery County, Charles County. Uh, we have Prince George's County, Baltimore City. We've even got... Uh, entities in other counties talking about this. We've got Frederick County uh, initially wanting to hold meetings about these kinds of uh, invasive um, uh, requirements. And the only way to push back is for everyone to say enough is enough, that we need to stand up and say, no, you're not going to track our bodies. You're not going to require us to be uh, submitting to your medical decisions, your politicians. That's between myself you know, and the doctors that we uh, utilize and my family. And we're going to have our freedom back. And people can do that and make that happen. And uh, like I mentioned, the, the proof of that is when you bring light to a dark situation, a lot of times the uh, individuals that are wanting to act in the dark then run for the, run for the corners. They, they do not like the light being shown on them. And so if we have public hearings, if we have a, an exposure of what's going on, um, many times pe- that empowers the people to make their voices heard. And the politicians then will understand that they will be held accountable at the voting booth as well as um, publicly in the newspapers, in the press, if they continue down this road. You know, it's as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm thinking, golly, how did we get to the point where we have to explain ourselves, (laughs) you know, about what our personal freedoms are? You know, it was just understood 
for so long, and now it is, well, no, wait, I, I get to keep my privacy because, you know, I have to defend it or something. And, um, you know, it's going to take all of us, every single one, moms, dads, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandmothers, grandfathers, all of us listening, to rise up and say, now we've had enough. And in Maryland, guys, you have to stop coming to the conclusion that we're powerless. Now, we, the problem is the voters put in an unbalanced you know, situation in Maryland so that there really is like a supermajority, right? So there's, it's very hard to affect change because the voters made the decisions that they did. And um, unless, of course, you challenge the elections, which there is some reason to believe that there's some election integrity issues in several of the jurisdictions, at least across the state of Maryland. But it's going to take all of us getting involved, and I'm going to keep preaching that on every single show. And um, so I want everybody, also another shout-out to Intercessors for America, go on my Facebook page, click the web link, that takes you, I think we're in the gray category for Maryland, and it will allow you to send a note directly to our senators to bring them, uh, make them aware that you are aware that this is going on, and it's not okay. Um, Back to this notion of these passports. Once you give people, particularly leaders and bureaucrats and politicians, and I know, Dan, you're one of them, so forgive me, but, you know, when you give them too much authority over you, once you lose that authority, it's very hard to get it back. That's right. Once you lose dominion over yourself and you grant it to others, it's very hard to get it back. So we have to right now draw a line in the sand and say that enough is enough. Um, I want to also mention to everybody that, you know, you can follow me on uh, success happens on YouTube now. We're on Rumble. We're actually taking a bigger position on Rumble than YouTube because of obvious reasons. Um, they've dinged me a couple times already. And uh, it's important to get the information out there. You can also follow me on Telegram. And, Dan, you're on Telegram as well, aren't you? That's right. That's right. Yeah, everyone should follow you, Jennifer, because you're you're bringing this information to light. And I'm also, you know, doing everything I can. We're at coxforfreedom.com. We're on Telegram. We're on Gab. We're on Getter. We're on, uh, um, oh, goodness, my, my wife is a genius with this. She's working hard behind the <laughs> scenes to help me because I have been shut down on Facebook we have a very strong Facebook presence. We have uh, several that have over 10,000 followers, but we don't rely on that alone. And, and we're seeing more and more traffic with Telegram and, and things like Gab. So I'm on Twitter as well. But um, really, if you want to follow us, you, that needs to, that's the way that we get the information out. And you're absolutely right. We have to stay vigilant. And when you look at the Constitution and our rights, you know, people, I, I really, Jennifer, I hope that if nothing else, they understand that they have an individual worth that's given them by God. And no government can override that. The natural rights that we have, uh, regardless of whether someone says it's the law or that they, you need to comply or that somehow you know the government uh, tries to make them feel bad or mask shame or vaccine shame, all of that is from the pit of hell. I'm serious. This is about individual uh, respect, about the honor to the body, about the... Uh, um, uh, medical freedom and the integrity of each person. 
And no government has ever had the right to trample on that. We made that clear when our boys fought and gave their lives. Right now you can fly to, to um, uh, Normandy and you can visit the graves of our brave soldiers who, who gave their lives, making sure that we would always have uh, bodily integrity, individual liberty, freedom from government oppression. And uh, people might... Um, you know, feel like, well, you know, wh what about the fact that we're in a pandemic and, and or what about this and that and the other? Nothing, nothing removes those individual rights. Otherwise, they're not rights. They're just licenses. And no one has, uh, no government agent, no, uh, uh, no state authority has a right to over, you know, to just trample upon the individual rights of, of each person. And that's, that's what it means to be a citizen. And so the way we exercise that is we fight back. We stand up. And if they're going to, you know, if someone tramples on your rights, uh, educationally, there's opportunities for everyone with the Civil Rights Commission to file complaints, whether it's against a over overreaching government agent or a, uh, an employer. Uh, All right, Dan. I'm going to have to cut you there because sure we're thing. getting ready to be at the top of the hour. And I'll tell you, it has been wonderful to have you back on with us. Listen, everybody. You have a Dan. You have a couple weeks right now for some uh, fundraising before you go session. Correct. Thirty days. So everybody, sh show your support. I've, I've endorsed Dan. Thank I you. think he's terrific, and uh, Jordana, his running mate, is fabulous. We'll have her on as well. Listen, everybody. Be careful on the creek tonight. They're, they're expecting some. Uh, protests that could turn violent want to be careful out there downtown frederick listen next saturday morning at 9 a.m also follow us at wfmd uh our success happens page for all our podcasts you can hear previous shows